Well, welcome to Everything PC, the South African podcast all about PCs, as the name suggests, and computers and technology in general. I'm Duncan McLeod, season two of Everything PC. Welcome. I'm joined by my collaborator in this venture, Gerard Pretorius. Gerard, it's good to see you in studio. Yes, very different. Post COVID, very, very different to recording over Zoom, isn't yes, it? Yes, no, no there's a in full definition. <laughs> in full definition, indeed, indeed. Well, welcome, welcome to it, and uh, we've got a, a very exciting season of of everything PCs uh, lined up for you. We're going to be talking about operating systems to a large extent in this uh, in the series, including Linux, which I know a lot of people are excited about, but also Windows. But in today's episode, we're actually going to do a catch-up of season one because a lot has happened in the you know just a few months since we laid down season one. And if you haven't yep. caught it yet, by the way, do go back and have a listen to it. We we uh, looked at uh, largely discussed silicon and um, semiconductor stocks and companies like Nvidia, for example, uh, Intel, AMD. We did uh, double episodes on those two companies, in fact. So we're going to go back and uh, perhaps have a look, listen to, or chat to Gerard about what's happened in the intervening period. And there's a lot that's happened. But before we get there, we're going to go back in history, a long way back to sometime when dinosaurs were roaming the earth and like T-Rex was wandering around this part of Randburg yes. and uh, um, yeah, back, when, back into the ancient. When nothing was smart. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean over and I, I hope my, I'm hoping strong enough to do this because this is quite a heavy product. But uh, over here on the desk, Gerard, you have, it's very heavy. You have brought in this monster. Let me get this on, get this view on camera. Um, I hope this, I hope, I hope the camera is going to pick up the, the size of this. It's probably about four times the size of a, of a, a regular hard drive, I would oh. guess, but weighs about <laughs> 10 times as much or 20 yes. times as much. Now this is a hard drive. Yes. From the 1980s. Yes. 80s and so forth, as far as I remember and so forth. Made by Ma Maxtor. Uh, what is the capacity of this? A hundred and... Check the 190 megs. 190 megabytes. Um, so what, did, only. what do you think this came out of? I think it's from an old IBM system that that came from. Could well be. Maxtor Corporation, uh, made in main Singapore. And yeah, I would I would guess this. This certainly didn't come out of a out of a desktop PC, that's for sure. No, I don't think so. Probably uh probably an old IBM AS four hundred maybe? That's, Even a mainframe, possibly. That's plausible. Well, we have to do. We can. We'll put the model number up for customers or for people to see. Is it a model model number XT dash two one ninety? So we've code. we've come a long way. No, we've come from a long this, way. From a horror that you can kill someone with. <laughs> to, to now we you literally could kill someone. Yeah, no, this if you drop it from high enough. There's a couple of companies on here that are now very long now dead. Astonishing. Songlink, damn. The amount of capacitors and just... Now, how, how much capacity can you get into one of those little USB sticks now? Oh, well, I think terabyte? the More? biggest I've seen now is on the Type-C USB sticks that are like yay size on my pinky to my thumb. You're looking about, like, I think... Four terabyte, I think Sanders has shown us. Four terabytes, okay, yeah. <laughs> 190 megabytes. We have come a long way in what, 45 years? Yep. <laughs> Incredible. That's... Little piece of history here, folks. Amazing. And uh, we're going we're gonna to show off some more ancient tech on, this, on the podcast this uh, season. Each week we're hoping to dredge up something uh, 
from the archives. And yes. uh, if any of our listeners uh, or viewers of, to the show want to send in or, or come and visit us even uh, with some ancient tech, we'd love to show it off on the yeah. on the podcast. So to do do join us. But uh, there we go. Amazing, amazing. I, can't, I, can't, I actually need to weigh this afterwards. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's at least five six or seven. Yeah, it's about five, a good five, six kilos. Yeah, for sure. Thing. Absolutely. And what are all these numbers on the back? Manufacturer number bytes. Yeah, that should actually give you all the amount of bytes that's on the machine as well. Oh, good grief. So these are sectors on the hard drive? Yes. <laughs> Incredible. Max Tor Corporation. We've come a long way. And uh, uh, I'm guessing this cost a a small fortune at the time. I would assume so. Because <laughs> again, we get a lot of donations from customers that come in with old stuff or bring stuff in for e-waste and so forth. And then we go through it and then stuff that we can see is the relics we keep and so forth. So we can keep that aside so that when young customers come in and they look at our museum that we've got there, they go, oh, what's this? And we can actually open it up so that people can feel it. Because yes. a lot of the young kids won't ever see that in South Africa. Yes. Yeah. So that's Amazing. at least a bit more brings it a bit more full circle where people can say, oh, this is where we came from. And then you can see the progression of, Yeah, we even have stripped SSDs and NVMe drives that are dead and so forth. Yeah. So you can go, oh, the small stick, you still, still sometimes get customers where they even look at an NVMe and it's like, oh, it's four terabyte in this size. It's like, oh. It's incredible. It's I mean, like, we've gone from 190 meg in that form factor to four terabytes in something the size of your pinky. Yeah. Well, where are we going to be in 45 years from now? Young. That's, well, We'll probably be close to like, I think there's eight terabyte models coming. Yeah, but that's, the normal that's probably soon. Size. 45 years from now. It's, yes. No, no, that's. We can't even well, imagine it. Well, right even, <laughs> I won't go, I won't be as brave as Gates and <laughs> do something, some stupid claim and saying, oh, no, we'll only need this X amount of 640, megabytes. 640K ought to be enough for everybody. Anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, no. That's, Which apparently is apocryphal. Apparently he didn't say that. Yes, yeah, no, mm. it is. But <laughs> it's the essence of saying, oh, you're going to predict, nah. Mm. You can, I can see in the close future, but far future, yeah, then that's when everything changes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I almost forgot, I, I need to tell everybody some quite exciting news, and that is we have a sponsor for Season 2. Uh, in fact, we've got two sponsors for Season 2, HP and Microsoft. So welcome on board, guys, uh, and thanks for sponsoring the show. We're going to have a special episode at the end of the season where we'll be talking to representatives from HP and Microsoft here in South Africa. So looking forward to that, and uh, thanks for the sponsorship, HP and Microsoft. In fact, we're going to be talking a lot about Microsoft in the show. Yes. Uh, in fact, our very next episode, we're going to be having a deep dive into Microsoft Windows, uh, the history of Windows, where it's come from, where it's going, etc. I'm looking forward to that a lot. As a, I'm using a Mac at the moment, but I, I am, I have been a Windows user for since uh, I would think since Windows 3.0, if not earlier. Maybe I even used Windows 2.1 briefly, um, but certainly Windows 3.0 was the first time I, I started to, yes, to no, use it extensively. And that was also a long time ago. That was 1990, 1990 I think. Yes. No, no, I only really started with Windows 95. Right. That's okay. where I... Well, you're younger than me. Yes. So, <laughs> so that's, I'm the greybeard in the room. Yes, and our <laughs> main experience would be XP and then onwards. Right. Is the main experience of mine. Okay. Okay. So you, you really actually missed the uh, those horrible years. Windows 3.0 was a, a, a horrible yes, buggy no, operating can, system that crashed constantly. No, I can... Oh, well, that's the history of Microsoft. Yeah. Well, you, you'll remember Windows Millennium Edition, which we'll Amy, touch on when we get to the Oh, we in, in Microsoft. Yes. We'll check and see. We'll leave that for that season, Absolutely. for that episode, so we can discuss Microsoft. But what we are going to do now is we're actually going to do some catch-up. We're going to look at what we spoke about in season one. And there, yes. were, there were four companies we looked at. It was AMD, there was Intel, 
There was NVIDIA, and I'm missing one. Well, we it wasn't TSMC. Who was the... Well, we talked about Apple as well. Oh, we did Apple, of course. Yes. Apple Silicon. How could I forget? Uh, so we, we're going we're gonna to have a look at uh, all the developments uh, that have happened in the industry with those companies. So where should we start? Should we do AMD first? Because they've actually been in the... That's where we started, so... Okay. We'll start where we started, so... That's where we started. Let's do it in order. AMD has just made a big announcement about their new seven thousand chips. Yeah, um, you've you've delved deep into it already. I'm sure. Uh, yes. Take us through what they announced, and are you excited for what's coming? Well, okay. So with the seven thousand series, they've announced basically the same sixteen core, twelve core, eight core, and the six core version that's coming out. Mm -hmm. That's launching with the new motherboards. So the new uh, what's it now X six. 70 boards that are coming out with extreme and non-extreme and then the b-series boards which will be following on october so all the chips are launching so you need a hopefully. new motherboard for these chips oh yes it's okay. am5 so mm -hmm. amd keeps it nice and simple where it's am3 for ddr3 am4 for ddr4 am5 for ddr5 right so it is more better than what intel has given us okay <laughs> so they said they're going to continue support for these motherboards till 2025 which is a bit longer than Intel because Intel normally does two years and then that's it, new board, support, new chip. Support for only three years. It doesn't sound like very long. Well, plus. So okay. again, it's like the current chip, they also said they're doing about four years. Right. So I think it's, again, it's difficult to go that far in the future because you don't know how things will change. So again, they rather play it safe. So okay. Like Amy normally does under uh, under the promise and over delivering <laughs> which is a good thing to do because mm. then it's like oh no if we get another fourth year hey great yeah so it's there's a lot of lessons they learned about the current series because getting these old motherboards to work on the new chips was a bit of a problem to mm -hmm. get done mm -hmm. especially working with all your motherboard vendors to get them to buy us updates and so forth it's easy to say yes amd must do it but the problem is there's a lot of steps involved of that doing it. it's a lot of other companies that need to get involved right to get that done so it's not just AMD is not the typical company that comes there with a freaking hammer and then tells people this do what I say and then I'm the dictator. They don't have that attitude. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's why again AMD couldn't have that attitude because they were not that high prominent. But now even that they are that prominent, they still don't do that. So they tend to be more willing to okay. cooperative and work with people. So, so, so tell me more about these processes. What are they? What are, what are the performance gains we're going to see out of this compared to the previous season? What does DDR5 bring to the table? So performance wise. I think they said about 13% um, basically I IPC gain. Again, it's not IPC I being? In, uh, basically, uh, what's it? Uh, IPC is basically how many instructions the actual core can do at a single cycle. Okay. There's a step so, of instructions per core. Yes. Okay. So that's how that works. The problem is it's not a, it's a, it's a just a, a way that you can look at it because each application will have different scaling. Mm -hmm depending on how the how it strains the architecture and how it actually uses the architecture. So it's up to, but again, there might be some things that have greater performance and some of that will have less and so forth. I don't know if we can actually bring this up onto the sure. other, I'll bring that up to that side. So uh, we can have a look at that one there. So the CPU itself, it's, it's, it sounds fairly incremental if you're looking at about a 12% improvement. In well, that's IPC. Yeah. So that's just if you're taking a very single core load and you're pushing it to extent. So that's how how more efficient the core has become. Mm -hmm. There's certain applications that will have much more performance. So you can go, I think there's certain applications that can go up to about 40%, but I think the aggregate would be about 20% faster okay. than what it was previously and so forth. Mm -hmm. 
I think once they actually go to the uh, press deck of AMD and so forth, you'll see them actually have tables of how much more performance mm -hmm. they have now per core, where they've improved those efficiencies mm -hmm. and so forth. They have actually have a very nice breakdown where they can actually say, out of all those percentiles, how much is contributed by the branch predictor, the front end improvements mm -hmm. and all those type of things. So mm -hmm. it's a big improvement. The big main improvement that I don't think a lot of people would think about is mainly power efficiency. Okay. Is that because it's moving to a new manufacturing node? It's 5 nanometer, and it's because of AMD's And it was 7 before. Yeah, well, it was 7. Now we're down to 5. 5 does give you a big benefit because it's about, I think it's about 20% smaller. Yeah. For high compute and so forth. The mobile guys normally get a bit more performance out of it, so like 30%, like yeah. if you do cell phones and so forth. So just remind us, uh, for, for perhaps people who, who, who have missed our last discussion, and we, we did go into this in a lot of detail in terms of the power efficiency gains you get from moving from manufact uh, manufacturing nodes. But moving from 7 nanometer to 5 nanometer is, is actually quite a big deal. I yes. mean, you're getting you're getting much more performance for the same watt per watt. Yes, Yeah. You, you normally you've... you've you can break it down into different things. You can either use less power or the same amount of power getting more performance. Right. Or you can say, we use the same amount of power but even get more performance. Understood. So you, if you've got 35 watts, you can you get, yeah. use 35 watts and use way more performance yeah. or say, should we knock it down to 15 watts and get the same amount of performance? And this is Moore's Law? Yes, to extent, yes. This is now, it's not as accurate aggressive as Moore's Law. That's why right. you'll get a lot of people saying, oh, Moore's Law is dead and all those type of things, which is in a sense true, but there's other ways to achieve what Moore's Law is with different methods, mm -hmm. like using triplets and all those things that AMD is yep. still doing and still innovating yeah. on. Yeah, and they're still partnering on these latest chips with TSMC from yes. Taiwan. Now, now it's fully TSMC because mm -hmm. now even the IO die is also manufactured or diffused by TSMC. Okay. So now it's a bit more simple still from AMD because basically... The CPUs, the actual core, is fabbed by TSMC, and then the actual IO die, which does your PCI Express, the memory mm -hmm. controllers, the little graphics card that's built in. So that's also new for AMD. Mm -hmm. All the chips will now have iGPUs built in. It's not not something to be bragged about, but it is at least something you can do video decoding. You can do 4K videos. I think you can do about four screens mm. that you can connect to it. And that's, I do that's pretty good for for in in chip. Uh, yeah. So graphics. it is, and I think they'll have. I presume you'll start seeing some software where they'll use some decoding features like Intel QuickSync and that type yeah. of stuff. So you'll see certain that type of software coming out quite aggressively because AMD is pushing a lot on the software-wise. Mm. And we can see that with, with the Radeon brand where they're innovating the software very rapidly. Yeah. So, so unless you're a gamer, you don't really need discrete graphics when you have one of these. No, this is, this is for the nice where they can sell the six-core chip or when the budget chips come out, they can sell those to, especially to the mainly the OEMs. So this sure. is for the Dells, the HPs, the That's Lenovo well. guys to actually mm -hmm. pump that into small box machines for the doctor or the chemist or right. into those machines and so forth or the point of sale systems where they can push those things in bulk yeah. and everything has a graphics. Advantage with it is because it supports natively USB 4, it does support in USB Type-C over DisplayPort. So you can, I've already seen some motherboards where they have a Type-C, but the Type-C is deal. It can mm. either do data or you can run a display from it, which is quite nice. Just as an aside, I wanted to actually ask you about this. And since you just brought it up, um, there was some news this week about USB 4 and yes. its introduction and how the they, new standard. they're actually talking about it's speeding up older USB cables as well. Um, yes. Up to well, 80%, I think I read. It's basically because the port is the main, the main thing that ma 
is the main hold for the speed. Mm. So cables become more important. The problem, the key thing, I wouldn't say really problem, but the advantage is because most of the Type C cables, if it's a proper cable, yeah, because not all cables are created equal, if it's a proper Type C cable, it should be able to do about eight gig, eight gigabits per second. Problem is that's why those cables are so expensive. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people look at that. Even when I sell Type C cables to customers, mm-hmm. and I, I ask them, okay, what quality do you want? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought there's only one quality. It's like, no, right. unfortunately, no. It's same as the USB standard. There's different cables that and have different cables. Most people will buy the cheap one, of course, mm-hmm. because people just go, it says USB. That's also the problem with USB with the naming scheme. It's like USB four. Not all USB four is created equal. Yeah. yeah. So you can get ones that are USB four that just meets the standard. Same debacle with USB 3. Mm. Which USB 3 do you have? Because I think there's like four different standards for USB 3. It's 3.1, and then they changed the meaning of 3.1 later on. Which there is a 3.1A and a 3.1B or something like that as well. Well, it's basically it's USB <laughs> 3.1, USB 3.2, then USB 3.1, 20 gig, and then USB 3.2, 20 for 20 gigabits per second. Right. So that's why I'm like, and then the problem is like, uh, the naming scheme is terrible. And then they did the color coding thing, and then yeah. that fell through because some people said they didn't like the blue port. So then, and what's Apple, the difference? What's the difference between USB and Thunderbolt, which is the other standard? Out well, there? Thunderbolt was from Intel, mm-hmm. so a lot of people attribute that to Apple, which it isn't. Mm-hmm. It is an Intel standard. I also thought Apple, it was Apple. Okay. Apple paid Intel for that intellectual property. Intel has now let go of Thunderbolt, so Thunderbolt is now an open standard, okay. and it's been in a sense, given to USB consortium right. to use now. Okay. So that's why USB 4 is, USB 4 is Thunderbolt mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. The two is basically the same. Same thing, basically. You can, if you've same. got a Thunderbolt 4 port mm. or a Thunderbolt 4 port device, that will be now cross-compatible with USB 4. You can just plug it in, it will oh. work. Right. So if you've got an Apple device that's on Thunderbolt and so forth, you can now, if the laptop mm-hmm. supports USB 4 at that standard and speed, you can just plug it in and it will work. So when are we going to see the first USB 4 ports in the market? Are they going to come with these new... Uh, They're already chips? out. They're already They're out. With the AMD, uh, with their, currently with their mobile chips and so forth, the mm-hmm. 6000 series, they are USB 4 already. Some board vendors went about a bit early, so some of them require a BIOS update first before it works properly. But... That so far it is working as is, and I've actually had people use it. Advantage with that as well does help with when they do launch the cheaper laptops and so forth. They can then if the mother if the motherboard vendor and the actual OEM Asus, HP, Lenovo, and so right. forth, they can now actually make it so that every Type C port on that thing has a display out. Okay, which will be nice. So you can now run literally most laptops, even the cheap ones, should be able to run two screens on. Amazing. Where most laptops, if you buy in the sub about 12 grand and below, you only get one output and that's it. That's amazing. So uh, I, think, I think a lot of people have realized, especially during lockdown, the importance of having two screens. Yes, multiple monitors, yeah. even two or three. Two just two was just the minimum. Three mm. is becoming like the norm now. It's like having three screens and so forth. And most laptops don't do that. Yeah, you're right. It's like even Apple struggles with that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, well, that making that used before standard much wider and having be able to say, sweet, there's two DisplayPort connections, which are Type-C. Mm. Use those two Type-C. It makes the wiring easier and so forth. I think AMD's also moved. I think that's now most of those legacy because there is like chips that they have to use for those signal signal integrity and so forth. That's also now gone through over to another company. So Intel's completely moving out of that market. Even Apple, I think Apple had an announcement saying like, oh no, not, nothing that, all the Thunderbolt 4 devices that they have, nothing of that is from Intel anymore. It's all now in-house. So that's now... Because there was big problems with Thunderbolt. 
Especially the early days. If yeah. you even ask the Apple guys, early days of Thunderbolt was not a good time. There was a lot of bugs, and it, those bugs were from Intel even. Oh, right. I guess I even have audio engineers and so forth that use a lot of Thunderbolt. Mm -hmm. And oh, this amount of software headaches I had with that software, just getting it to work was like, it works <laughs> after 40 minutes of struggling of software and this doesn't work, that doesn't work. So it, it's a good thing that mm. I think Intel gave that to another company that dedicates Slipper, yeah. in mm. that type of field because right. oh, that was a bit of a letdown. So let's let's get back to these new AMD CPUs. Um, yeah. So then, what, what are we looking for? What, what are we looking forward to here? I mean, did we got desktop coming first before laptop? Yes. Now laptop is coming out. That was with Phoenix and I think the other. I think I think it was Raven Ridge and so forth. That's coming out next year, which will be Zen Four based. That is going to be a bit of a problem for Intel. Mm -hmm. I think. In what way? In power consumption. Okay. Because AMD. Well, this has been a problem for Intel for a long time. Yeah. Now no, this is even worse because this is now. You can clearly see AMD is trying to compete with Apple. Mm -hmm. They're not even looking at Intel anymore as competitor. They're looking at Apple as the competitor for battery life now. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to get that because AMD can technically take a desktop part and slap it into a laptop now. Mm -hmm. wow. That's how much power efficiency they have. They wow. can technically take their new 16-core chip, put it in a 65-watt laptop and give you desktop mm -hmm performance in a laptop is this is this purely down to the fact that that intel is still mainly on the 10 nanometer manufacturing node and and and, and, and amd has now moved from seven to five mm. or is there more to it than that? yes it's more to that it's mm -hmm. also architecture because amd has a physically smaller architecture without standing with five nanometer and so forth amd's physical design is smaller than mm -hmm. intel mm -hmm. and that's the advantage now mm -hmm. they do play that advantage because amd's chips are physically smaller if therefore it's also easier to manufacture especially with chiplets so better for yields and all those things. And then the other expensive part is that six nanometer IO die, but because it's six and six nanometer, it's I think the cost difference between the six to five nanometer is close to like thirty percent difference in cost. Wow. So it is significantly more expensive going five nanometer. Mm. So I think Intel's seven nanometer, which they classify as well, they now call it N seven, is better technically than TSMC's seven nanometer. Mm -hmm depending on what areas, because there's some areas where it's strong and some areas where it's weaker. Overall, I would say it's very close. Now that AMD is on 5 nanometer, that does give them a bit of an advantage, but that not just that advantage, but physically the core is smaller so they can they can tap more performance, especially for low, um, laptops. That's where it's also important. It's yeah. making the physical core design smaller so that you can either pack more stuff in there and so forth, and the smaller you make it, the less wiring there is, less wiring there is, less power it uses. Mm. So it's a combination of both having proper design and that. Because I think the AMD laptops probably, even when they come out next year, will probably have a good 20%, probably even greater, because AMD's, you can even look at AMD's slides and you can actually see a a massive benefit where they lock the chips, which is a nice nice test to do when they take the old AMD chips and they lock them to a certain TDP, mm -hmm. like 65, 45 watt and so forth. And the amount of performance difference you get if you lock it, it gains more performance. The less you put power, as soon as you power lock it, the performance gains are actually higher with the new AMD chips versus the old ones. Hmm. So you get more performance at a lower power usage than if you've got both chips at 100 watts. Hmm. So that's that's the, where you already look and say, ooh, that is dangerous. Yeah. That is 
you are your aim is merely purely at Apple now. So I've been watching I've been watching AMD and Intel share price with a great amount of detail in the last uh, in the last while. Ever since AMD overtook Intel's market cap for the first time earlier this year, I think it was it was around the time we did season one. It's now significantly higher than Intel's, and Intel is touching a new. 52-week low, probably a new multi-year low, almost every yeah. day in the U.S. now. On the on the, I think they listed on the New York Stock Exchange or was it Nasdaq? I forget which. But um, Intel Intel's market is is falling. I saw Pat Gelsinger, the CEO of Intel, say the other day, he doesn't blame investors uh, that Intel's share price is in the toilet. He said, "I'll also be selling Intel." <laughs> yeah. Basically, admitting that they're in a difficult position yeah. right now and they need to work their way out of it. How much of a problem is this new chip for for Intel? It's and can how can how can Intel fight back? It's Intel's biggest problem is execution. Mm-hmm. They need to get the right people in place to execute on time because every time they come with a little papers, same as with the graphics division, here's a little paper, we're going to launch it beginning of this year. Didn't happen. It's now Q3 and the thing has launched technically, but it's in such a shambles. So that's my problem with Intel is they can't execute on time. Mm. They say they're going to do something and they never do that. Whereas look at AMD, they say to the investors, this happens then, they execute and it's on time always. Why is that? Are they just too big and, and bureaucratic? I think the problem is because Intel has a lot of legacy problems. That I think the previous people that ran the company, that's why Pat still needs to completely hire and fire a lot of people still. And it's difficult there because there's a lot of bureaucracy still mm, there. Mm. So there's a lot of legacy guys there that think they're entitled to move up into the company because they've mm-hmm. been there in the company for so long. Mm. So there's a lot of that that he needs to deal with. And then also they lost a lot of people and they're still trying to get some of them back. But a lot mm. of them left to AMD and Apple for NVIDIA and so forth. So that that's problem. Pat is – the problem is I tell you, as I told people, when Pat came in charge, it's going to take him three years to turn around company mm. around. Mm. It doesn't just happen. So it's uh, for most investors, I tell them, you need to be in the long term for Intel now. Mm-hmm. Intel needs to go back in its little shell and it needs to sort out of its own internal politics and problems. And then once it does that, and if Pat can do that right, Intel can become a monster again. Mm. But only if they do that right. Because Intel has, they have the potential to do great things. Mm. And we can see that with their server chips that are coming. Mm-hmm. They do have the ability for it, but the problem is it's still ex- execution. They've been announcing the server chip that they were supposed to launch end of last year. Still a no-show. And it's almost two years delayed now. I want to I want to dig a bit more into into what's coming from Intel, but let's let's wrap up the AMD conversation yeah. quickly. Um, so so DDR5 uh, RAM. Um, uh, that, th- is this the first time DDR5 is coming to the AMD platform? Yes. So now with AM5, DDR5 is now coming in. AMD tends to be a bit more conservative when it comes to. DDR standards, they tend to wait a bit longer and then launch it, where Intel tends to do that hybrid where they do both. Mm-hmm. And the problem is when you do a architecture with both supporting DDR4 and 3, or 4 and now 5, it's the the old saying of master of none type of thing that mm-hmm. steps in. So we've even felt that where even DDR5 takes ages to post. So yeah. if you're a enthusiast and so forth and you've got DDR5 in your machine and it takes like two minutes to boot, that's normal. Do not worry. <laughs> That's why I'm looking at you. Don't worry. Because even when the first time we got DDR5 in and so forth, and our technical guys, so we put it in and we put the machine and we wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. I'm like, okay, is it broken now? Oh, no, there it goes. It's like, whew, okay. What caused so, it? What's the reason for that? It's because DDR5 is more complex. It has built-in ECC. There's more timings to do. 
So right. normally, as soon as there's a new DDR standard, RAM takes longer to post because it's just that initial post where it needs right. to get all the timings and sub-timings and all those things in and so forth. Interesting. So it needs to do all of those things because DDR5 is way more complex uh -huh. than DDR4. Right. So that's the reason for that. So I prefer that AMD con this route because we can still feel a lot of teething issues with Intel doing both mm. because there's certain RAM modules where we've had customers we put RAM in on this Intel motherboard the RAM DDR5 stick works fine put on another machine refuses to post mm -hmm. so there's still weird nuances with Intel with DDR5 still DDR4 works like a champ but because it supports both the speed is not as good as normal the, the 11th gen and 10th gen you can actually overclock the RAM higher speeds on mm. versus now 12th gen do you think these issues will be resolved when these new AMD boards come? Well, I think AMD is doing a better job with it. We'll have to see. Mm -hmm. Again, AMD, even the third gen ones and so forth, AMD Zen 1, when Zen 1 came out, there was a lot of BIOS issues and so forth. Mm -hmm. I think there's still issues with that that the motherboard vendors need to sort out. Hence why I think it, the, the, they've basically pushed the boards to about end of September. Mm -hmm. I think there was an idea to get it earlier. But I think they rather said, let's wait for the motherboard vendors and everyone to get their stuff in and get everything on time so that when they launch, 80% of the bugs are sorted out. There's going to be bugs after that. That's a fact. It's all, you'll never launch something now where it just works. Mm -hmm. Those days are gone. Nothing now that comes out now works. <laughs> Whether it be a car, whether it be a computer, nothing Upgrade works. after as, chips, yeah. Fix it after it's, chips. You, you buy the thing and then after a bit, it then works as intended. Because Damn, my new car doesn't drive anywhere. Oh, no, you have to install the firmware you update You do a BIOS update or something like that. It's like that's now the new future we are in, unfortunately. Whether it's a cell phone or anything device now. I don't like this future. Yes, that's unfortunately where we are. So <laughs> with the last thing now with AMD is our server. Yeah, server, yeah, that's even worse case scenario. Intel, desktop Intel is actually keeping pace, kind of. Right. But server is a complete, like, just not even showing. And that's where energy efficiency is so important now, especially that's, in server farms and cloud. Yes. Well, again, that's AMD's key feature. When you buy an AMD desktop chip, you are buying, buying server hardware. Mm-hmm. Because they essentially you are buying the cut out bits from the server divisions that weren't efficient enough to go to server the desktop guys get. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's AMD's master plan there as well. It's like mm -hmm. you make one chip and it rules everything basically. Mm -hmm. So that server division, I'd say, is my probably my biggest concern for Intel. Desktop they can keep, but uh, the server is it's devastating now. Even even a couple of months, I've looked at even when I try and buy thermal. Uh, Threadripper's machines for my customers and so forth. The waiting periods are just stupid now. Mm. The demand for AMD is like stupid. And that's where AMD is going to make stupid money. Mm -hmm. the, 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 these server chips are going to make them. That's why you'll see them. That's why their stock prices keep them yeah, going up. Yeah, about to say. That's why because they're not performing. It's, it's mm. The data center there is just making stupid mm. money. And then they'll launch the new new chips that are coming out now, uh, Genoa, and then Genoa X, that will be the 3D cache. Those versions will be devastating. I think Intel, okay. even when Intel launches their new chip, they will be 40% slower. 40%? Yeah, no, that, that's going to be, it's a bloodbath. Sure. It's not even, that. that's how behind Intel is. Because Intel, the problem is Intel's chip, <laughs> the Intel chip that they were supposed to launch was supposed to launch against the current Epic range. Mm -hmm. Now they're launching that thing that was going up against the current Intel Epic range to the new Epic. Mm. So it, it was already like, just about getting close to AMD. Now AMD's launching a new chip, so it's now way behind. And then Intel, then they, oh no, Intel's gonna bring out a new chip. I'm like, 
you have not even launched the other chip yet. <laughs> you can't even tell me your our future chip will come out. And it's like you haven't even launched the other thing. So uh, server yep. is going to be a a complete bloodbath. And yep. then the server division, I think you're going to start seeing. I think with the future versions, no, that's now 2023, 2024, 2025, we'll pro- probably start seeing highly integrated Xilinx IP into server as well. Now, Xilinx was this massive acquisition that AMD yes. made last year, I think it was. Yes. They paid, what was it, 50 billion or 60 billion? Yeah, I know. They did stock buyouts and all that jazz. So, mass, one of the biggest ingenious, deals in tech ingenious history. buyout because yeah. the two companies, I think, has a lot of. Mm. They, they can fulfill one another quite nicely and they've mm. got both niches and so forth. If you, if you missed uh, season one of Everything yeah. PC, we actually tackled the Xilinx uh, uh, acquisition in a great amount of detail. So if, you, if you're interested in what the, imp- the importance of that acquisition, and it's a very significant yes. acquisition. Most people had never heard of Xilinx before, but it's a, a, a crucial company to AMC, AMD's future success. Yeah, no, it's for most companies. That's even, I think it's... Uh, Alta or something like that. Intel also owns their own company that makes those type of chips as well yeah. and so forth. Yeah. So that's, I think that we'll start seeing more integration of those other companies mm. into AMD's IPs and so forth mm. coming into the future. So it looks bad now and uh, quite frankly, it looks even worse in the future. <laughs> so Intel, Intel's 14th gen needs, yeah. they need to pull a rabbit. Well, let's, let, let's, let's get to Intel in a, in a moment because yeah. I do want to spend a bit of time talking about their forthcoming chips, but let's, let's wrap up the AMD discussion and just yeah. talk briefly about GPUs. We've got new AMD cheap GPUs coming. At yes. the Have they announced anything about them yet? Well, they've, Lisa said, again, as I stated before, Lisa, doing, this is Lisa Sue, the CEO. Yeah, CEO. Yeah. They're doing another 50% performance increase again. So on the, on well, the power, power to performance ratio. Oh, so Compared to current. Yes. Wow. So we're probably looking at a two times increase again of performance. Incredible. Of what we've previously had. I think that... That's and these GPUs are going to be launched later this year and yes. they're going to come up directly against the new NVIDIA the, the, 4000 series. This year is going to be crazy. It's going yeah. to be Intel. It's, it's AMD 4000 series. It's going to be AMD Epic or new AMD Epic chips. Then it's AMD's new GPUs coming out. Then it's NVIDIA launching their new stuff. We'll talk about that. That's coming. And then Intel's launching 13th gen. Yes. And their GPUs are coming as well. Is it the right time now to be upgrading your PC if you're in the market? Because we've seen the chip the chip supply crisis seems to be easing yes, a lot. Is it no. time to buy? I would say depending on the budget. So yeah. the really budget guys, if you're going to really low end and so forth, I think you can pretty much buy now. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really budget-centric coming out from either company. Yeah. Because even Intel stuff that's coming out is all going to be i5s and up and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the really budget guys, you can buy now, you'll be fine. If you're in the higher range, so if you're buying, looking to get a new 3090 card or AMD 6800, wait. It's it's worth waiting for a bit mm. because the new stuff coming will be way faster. And then uh, now that most countries are going into like a lull period or recession, you can say, I don't know how much of a recession we're going to go into. Mm-hmm. It's more of, a, more of a lull in my mm. opinion. Okay, I think pricing will be quite aggressive from all the companies coming. Right. So there is going to be some pricing going up a bit because of inflation and all those things, yeah. depending on your countries. So I think America is pretty safe, but the rest of the world. Strong dollar. Gonna, Strong dollars hitting We're everybody. We're going to feel mm. it a bit more. Mm. We've already seen Sony upping price. So I think pricing mm. will be a bit problem. But I think it will be best to wait for the AMD chips. Again, September, October, I would say wait until October. Then we'll know pretty much everything. Yeah, pretty clear picture, yeah. October, November, that's the time to buy. Right. If you're in the high end. 
So does that wrap it on AMD? Can we can we yes, move on to AMD is now? We've, we've discussed Intel in in, in a, some detail already, but uh, maybe let's just just give a wrap up of of what's coming from 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 Intel in terms of we know they're working on their own GPUs. Um, they're not going yes. to be high end. They're not going to compete with these new mm. ones from AMD and Nvidia no, that are being announced later this year. As we stated mm. on our previous show, it's like it's going to be very buggy. Yes, and it is. It is, and it's low end stuff. Yes, low to mid, low to mid, and so mm. forth. But the bugs are just the problems. It's mm. bugs, 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 bugs everywhere. Yeah, it's steer clear. Run. It's don't buy Intel Arc yet. It's not ready. You can buy that if you want to play with it. Mm -hmm. It's a toy. Yeah, it's not something that I would buy if you need to rely on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's my problem with Intel. So again, they had to do it. It's not as if I'm telling people, "Oh no, it's bad of Intel." Mm -hmm. It's like they have to launch something so that they can see how it works. It's easy to have something on a piece of paper or have an idea, but once you mass produce something, that's when it the little freaking purple hits the fan. Yeah, is that's when you actually get the stuff into different PCs and different configurations. People mm -hmm. will send you bug reports. You can then you can farm out your actual troubleshooting from to other people and so forth and they can come up solutions and so forth. So for Intel for this GPUs, oh so unless you want to be a beta tester, don't buy it. No. no it's, and I don't <laughs> do even know I don't even know if it will come to South Africa. It probably won't. Yes. It probably won't. That's but do you think that say let's look look five years into the future, do you think Intel will be a meaningful uh, player in the GPU market? It's a Do, difficult to say. Difficult it, to answer that question. It's difficult stage. to say. It depends on how Pat restructures the company because mm. there's a big restructuring needing there for GPUs as well. Mm. So they have good people there. The problem is there is just they need to learn the lessons. It's one of those things that they need time. Yeah. Unfortunately, they and might they not don't need. don't have it. That's now where you can argue with it. Again, mm. Intel does have a lot of money. They do. So it's not as if they're going to run out of money all of a sudden. They're but spending it as well. <laughs> investors might be very upset. They're spending so that money. I mean, those, those new fab fabrication plants, yes. they're building $20 well, billion. Dollars. Again, they do get a lot of that money from the government back, so it's a good tax write-off. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're not stupid there. But again, they need to spend more money in the company to yeah. get the right people. Look at AMD. AMD's on a hiring spree, but they don't just go out and hire anyone. Mm -hmm. They still do due diligence, see who they're hiring, why are we hiring you, so they hire the right people. Mm. So Intel needs to do the same thing where they need to hire the right people that know how to work in those fields yeah. so that they can use those talents of those people and yeah. push their own company. So we know they're behind in server, we know they're behind in GPU. What about their, their core traditional business desktop GPU, desktop CPU rather? Are they are they performing a bit better there? What, what does it look it's, like compared to AMD? It's okay-ish hmm. because again, Intel's biggest focus actually is server. Server is their biggest breadwinner. Mm -hmm. So that is my biggest fear. That's the that's, biggest problem. If mm -hmm. Intel loses more market share in survey, that's going to hurt a lot more because that's where they make stupid money. So I would say, when we look at notebooks, 12th gen is coming out, or 12th gen is out, exactly. but it's very delayed, because even in the South African market, you don't see a lot of options, even from HP and Dell in South Africa. The first world countries got higher priority, I presume, and so forth, so mm. it's easy for them to get it. But if I compare that to 11th gen, the amount of SKUs you can get in 12th gen, way smaller. Interesting. Is this because so, um, of the global shortage of silicon? I have no idea. Mm. It's the same with AMD ones. I think it's more logistic issues, okay. especially with China having so many lockdowns and uh, so forth. Right. I think a lot of those big vendors had massive issues mm -hmm. getting stuff because again, when you ma make a laptop, there's so many parts going to laptop hinges, screens, 
USB controllers, USB ports, keyboards, touchpads, plastics, all those things that you need to get from mm. all different companies that need to work together to bring that and assemble that unit. So and it only takes one of those guys. If you don't have hinges, you can't make a mm. laptop without a hinge. Mm. So it only takes one company to go down and then you're screwed. So I think a lot of those companies got hink-winked basically and hit by the knees and so forth where they <laughs> didn't expect that. So I think that's, that's, I was a bit concerned about that and I'm a bit frustrated because they announced all this stuff in CES beginning of this year. Yeah. We now Q3 and the availability in third world countries for 12th gen is pretty terrible. Yes. <laughs> the 13th gen is coming soon. Well, 13th gen is coming out next year. My, my problem is, is it next year? I thought it was yeah, later this no, year. No, no, no. It's mm. coming out for, I think it, I think it was supposed to they come out. They do this every this year. year. These gens come because out Because normally, normally they launch the laptop stuff first okay. before the desktop because the laptop is normally more important than desktop. Because OEMs, laptops yeah. are the things that sell the most. Mm -hmm. So the fact that in desktop first, they're already kind of like, wee -woo, wee -woo, wee -woo. <laughs> <laughs> there's not problems, but logistically there might be issues and so forth. Again, now AMD is launching their new laptop chips end of next year. And I think Intel's, a, yeah, it's, you can't, they have to completely, Intel's new architecture is 14th gen, and that's only going to be launched end of next year. So that's when we're going to see Intel can compete again on so laptop. Only in the market in 2024. In for, for notebooks and for yeah. desktop, 14th gen is the critical That's the one we're watching. What's changing between 13th and 14th? Well, we don't have all the details for mm -hmm. 14th gen yet. Um, that is basically their new big architecture. So we'll check and see what they do. I, I've, there's some rumor stuff and so forth, but I think it will be better to leave that okay. for beginning of next year when we've got a better idea of what they're doing and so forth because... That's my promise. Fair That's enough. what I also thought is 14th gen is that, that, that is the architecture that will either make or break Intel. Okay. <laughs> That's why so this, is, this is crunch time. That is, it's really important for Intel to get 14th gen decent. And if they don't, then, then I would be really concerned if I'm an investor or any, even if I work at Intel, I'll mm -hmm. be very concerned about my job. Mm -hmm. Cause th that's very, I've crucial. asked you this before, but let me ask it again. It's been a few months. Do you think Pat Gelsinger has what it takes to save Intel? Yes. The problem is it's if he's if he's ruthless enough. Yeah. That's the problem. I think he's trying to be a bit too diplomatic. Mr. Nice guy. He mm. needs to be straight off with certain people just need to go. Mm -hmm. For especially in Intel. Some people just hold the company back and right. they want to hold in tradition and so forth. So Pat is the right guy from internally from Intel. Yeah. He is the best. Again, I don't know all the people in Intel. There might be someone there that I don't know and so forth. But sure. he's the best engineer that's more yeah. social that can play the and politics and business game backwards he's been there for yes it's, yeah. that it does help with his credibility in the company but pat is also good at business talk yeah other engineers yeah. aren't good at that mm. business talk so that's pat's advantage there is he can talk business mm. and so, tech and hardcore tech. yes yeah. he can yeah. he is a good Lisa Sue equivalent type of thing. Exactly. And which was yeah. a problem Intel had before with people like Bob Swan and his predecessors. Yes. Because these were business guys. They weren't the engineers. Yeah, they were accountants. And they were accountants. Stuff. They and were money people. They didn't actually understand what the technical no. problems were. That's mm. why Intel basically fell into the room they fell into now. Yeah. So it's, yeah. ugh, it's very disappointing in my opinion, but that's so where we are. 14th gen is what we wait for. Server, the outlook is pretty bleak. Uh, yeah. Do you think server, they can turn server around? They can, but it's not looking promising. That's my short problem. term. No, no, short term, even short to long term. I would say in the next four years for Intel for server is pretty bad. Mm. So mm. if you're buying workstation machines, even AMD's workstation machines that they bring out now, they've got 5,000 series Threadripper coming out, and that thing is a monster on its own. Yeah, 
and there's nothing from Intel. Mm -hmm. They don't even have an answer to high-end workstation laptops or desktop machines. That I know Disney buys a lot of those machines. Anybody that's into 3D animation, yep. I sold a lot of third three triple machines to guys that do Blender and all those editing mm -hmm. type of stuff. They all only buy AMD mm -hmm. because there is no Intel. Mm -hmm. They just no show. And feature. There is yeah. apparently some Intel chip that they've kind of leaked and showed off to some people that they're going to do maybe next year and so forth. But I'm like, you're next year, you're already, then you're going to go up against AMD's new Threadripper chips. I'm like, yeah, every time Intel brings something out, you're already a year late or two years late. I'm like, oh, man, that's just, <laughs> that's just sad. Intel, it's been a very blue year for Intel. That's, yeah. it's actually sad from a company that can do better, but... But they know what their problems are and they're working on them. So let's hope yeah. they, let's hope they, no. they were able to turn the ship around. Yeah. Let's talk about your favorite company now. And that's, uh, what do you call them? The Green Goblin. Yes. <laughs> NVIDIA. Um, you'll have to go back and listen to season one if you want to know why Gerard dis actively dislikes NVIDIA and their business practices. Yes. Um, there's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to listen to there. So there's a lot of history. A lot of history there. Um, we're going to have a listen to that. But let's, let's talk about the, NVIDIA's current uh, uh, environment. There's some, some interesting news this week. We're recording this in the first week in September. Yes. Uh, that, uh, that the U.S. was blocking NVIDIA and AMD for that matter, but NVIDIA's the, hit the biggest by this of its most advanced chips used for artificial intelligence yep. processing for sale in China. And, um, and that had a big impact on their share price. In fact, NVIDIA's share price has tanked by about 60% since the beginning of this year. Yep. But that's not only been driven by the US government's yeah, blockade on China. Yes, it's no, also this... been driven by, by apparently falling demand for graphics cards, which I thought was interesting given but the prices have come somehow, down. Somehow not. Not linked to bit, bit Bitcoin mining, mining at all. At all. <laughs> no, at all. no, 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 no. 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 Perish the we thought. didn't pay a five, <laughs> five million lawsuit against that. <laughs> Perish the yeah. thought. Um, there, and there was something else driving it lower. I, f I forget what now. Well, it's basically uh, their sales. Their sales are the sales like they're thirty-three percent down. Why, why are gamers? Why are they not buying GPUs? The prices have fallen. Well, they're just making such huge margins during the shortage that yes, uh, margins, 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 margin, profit margins. Margin. It's like but, I think everybody milked there. It's like yeah. when it was the cryptocurrency. I would say, I think what when was that? Now mainly November, December, the pricing yeah. for Nvidia cards just went skyrocket, yeah. like double, triple. It's like it even was ridiculous. I can remember when we sold, just as the cards came out, the thirty eighty cards, we sold them for like twenty grand. Yeah, yeah. They went up to about thirty five grand. Yeah, I remember that. Fifteen grand more for and just this one here. Yes. This is the RTX thirty ninety. I think these were selling at one point for about. Uh, there was 45,000 rand yes, or 50,000 rand. Yeah, 50k for Now you can one pick card. up one of these for how much? I think now you can go. I know there's some gigabyte cards going for like about 25. There we go. <laughs> Half the price. Half the price. And <laughs> I, I'd actually love to do a, a, a graph where, I, where you plot NVIDIA share price against the price of GPUs. And I think you'll find they almost identically yeah, match. Most of NVIDIA's business is still gaming. Yeah. So I think... AI and data center is now coming up quite aggressively It's growing now. very quickly, yeah. So it's not going to be, I think it's going to be, you'll probably see the data center now being greater than the gaming market now mm. because the gaming market is now completely flooded. Yeah. There's too many cards. Mm -hmm. I think that will also hit NVIDIA a bit hard because they're going to start doing massive aggressive rebate projects and so forth right. with all the brands and even some retailers, I think, will be get some rebates from NVIDIA directly to right. get rid of cards because there's just too many cards, yeah. especially in the States. There's just... A flood of cards. 3,000 series cards. The prices have plummeted. I mean, yeah, and, no, the, and I've read suggestions that the prices are going to fall even more because the 4,000 series is right around the yeah, corner. No, they have to get rid of the stock. Yes. No, it's, well, I think going by what other people have said and so forth, I, I have a bad feeling where 
Because NVIDIA was always a bit of a, seen as a bit of a bully there because they would just bully you in taking more stock and so forth. Mm -hmm. And the sentiment, I would say, I think from a couple of stores were, NVIDIA, if you don't help us, we'll go bankrupt. Mm -hmm. That's how bad it is. Mm -hmm. So I think that is the sentiment. So I think NVIDIA is now going to actively give proper rebates to these companies to get it. So that's going to cost them money because they have to physically give them money back now. Yeah. And NVIDIA doesn't like giving money back. They want to keep their money. So that's going to hurt them, I think. So quarter four is not going to look great for mm. NVIDIA. They have to launch something. So you've already seen Jensen announce that they'll do announcement. So announcement of the announcement that's coming on the 20th of September. <laughs> the pre-announcement. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> hype up the market a bit. So the announcement is for the 20th of September. I think oh, that's my, soon. That's, uh, my, my, mm. my guess is probably launching a 4090 and a 4080 card. Mm -hmm. There's, they can possibly launch a 4070 card, but I'm very skeptical about mm. that. Because as they launch those new cards, if I if I hope, what I hope, what NVIDIA will do is they'll sell the 4090 card at the same price as the 3090 card at launch. Mm -hmm. If they do that, then the whole market is going to go in a bit of a tumble. Mm -hmm. Because it's like knock-on effect of all the other cards, the 3090 will now become the same price as a, a basically probably a bit more expensive than the 3070, mm. but it's going to be probably in that higher range, but then you can buy a 3090 for massively cheap and yeah, so forth. Yeah. So that's why there's a massive panic now, especially in America and big markets, to sell stock now because yeah. once those new cards come out, they dead stock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's basically dead stock. So mm -hmm. I think NVIDIA is going to feel it quite hard in quarter four. AMD is a, probably a bit safer from this. They still be affected, but not nearly as bad as NVIDIA because NVIDIA is the big gaming brand. Yeah. So they m mass produce and they're overproduced. Mm -hmm. I can see that from going from, you can go through internet and check and see some of the videos of Chinese mining firms and so forth. And they just have pallets and pallets of cards there. And I can promise you now some of those things are going to be loaded on a boat or a plane and be shipped off to America and get sold there. Mm. So and the price is just going to plunge. Yeah, it's just going to tank eventually. So there's a lot of people that, and you can see this on Nvidia side as well, and a lot of the retail trying to stock up the price to make sure the price doesn't fall further. <laughs> <laughs> but you can only do that for so long until. So, it's so this is really interesting. So so earlier this year, if you were a gamer and you were in the market for a for a new rig and you needed a high end graphics card, you were going to pay through your nose for one yep. of these things, and you were going to cry. Now it almost seems like we're heading into the exact opposite situation later this year potentially, where where these things are going to there's going to be a flood of these yes. products in the market, and we're going to be able to, you're going to be able to pick them up pretty cheaply. Yes. Now, so if you bought if you bought a thirty eighty or thirty ninety in January or February this year, you must really be crying right now. Now, well, if you had money for that, then I'm like <laughs> you're going to fall for that one. But maybe you didn't have a choice. Maybe you're a company. I, we had companies that like we don't have a choice. We have yeah. to buy this because we have certain projects that we need to do in a certain timeline. So it was just one of those things where it's like just accept the fate that what it was there. Yeah. So I think the budget guys, because I know, I think basically in this week and so forth, I know we got some, I think, well, yeah, it was gigabyte cards. We were selling AMD 6,600 cards for 5,200 bucks. Mm. They basically dropped 4,000 rands. Mm. Mm. So it's like, that's from where they were in the craze to now, dropping four or five grand, that's a lot of money for a budget card to mm. drop. Mm. So I think the budget cards are getting better, like 3050s. AMD cards are, in my opinion, more aggressive now. You can see that AMD has already done proper rebate programs, so their cards have substantially dropped around the whole thing. Nvidia's cards, there's random. In South Africa, they drop sometimes, and then they're very cheap, and then the price goes up again, and then they drop again, Small and then it's expensive. So they're more spiky with, with mm. Nvidia with their pricing in South Africa and so mm. forth. In America, I think there's more control there, but 
yeah, it's it's getting way better for the consumer mm-hmm. to buy and so forth. It's going to be a bit, I think, probably end of the year, depending on how market stuff happens as well and how inflation hits and so forth. Yeah. That will probably hit us as well. Petrol prices also gone up, so logistics are more expensive. So getting stock is more expensive. So that will also necessarily up pricing for we products. Can. So don't mm. expect those things just to be super cheap. As the things now get cheaper, everything else is also kind of going up because of our Ukraine situation that we have. Because a lot of our stock gets flown in from Europe. Yes. So a lot of that also has negative effects there. That's upping mm. everything because energy costs is more expensive there. Jet fuel is more expensive. So. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's hope some of the price discount at least flows through. Oh yes, no, it's yeah. still going to be substantially mm. cheaper, mm. but that is some of that discount is going to be yeah. a bit less than due to other factors. So, so exciting news coming out of Nvidia in the next uh, in the next couple of months. Yes. Um, uh, do we know anything about these four thousand series cards at this stage? Well, just rumors and so forth. Mm. The best I have, I think it was on Tech Power Up. I saw a little article and so forth for. Let me see if I can. These are going to some- be quite power hungry cards, from what I've been reading. Well, I think a lot of that got a bit blown out of proportion. Blown out of proportion, so forth. Because as I said previously, and so forth with the previous shows, I'm thinking that they'll limit to about 450 watts. Okay. So I think that's, that's the still upper a lot edge. of power. So I've now put a picture there up of a mm-hmm. currently leaked image of the new 40 series cards and so forth. Yeah. That's now being packaged and so forth. Because I presume they're getting packaged because they're launching in October. Yeah. So they built the previous cards in October. So they'll launch these new cards also in October. So I think these cards will be. But use a bit more power and so forth. Won't be as crazy. But the performance-wise, I would also predict maybe 1.8 times better. I don't okay. think it will be twice as good. There's possibility that that happens. 80% because, improvement is significant. Again, NVIDIA has a very advantage because they're going from Samsung node that is was inferior to Intel or is still inferior to TSMC 7. So they're going straight from that eight nanometer straight all the way down to four. Mm-hmm. Now that four isn't that much better than five. Now TSMC is in a position where they just use the normal node. Mm-hmm. They don't get a custom node. Whereas AMD, due to their relationship with TSMC, they do get custom nodes from TSMC. So even their five nanometer that they have currently is custom to AMD and AMD alone. Right. So then AMD is in the same leagues as Apple. Apple gets their own manufacturing capability. Because they, the amount of the order and so forth, yep. especially, again, remember with AMD, Microsoft, Sony, all the consoles, all the embedded stuff they sell, AMD big business overall in the big bigger yep. market and so forth. Yeah. So that that is more advantageous for AMD and so forth. So I think the difference between 5 nanometer and 4 nanometer, especially with AMD's custom node, probably going to be like 5 to 4% advantage to, AMD, uh, to NVIDIA there. Mm-hmm. So not a big advantage. But NVIDIA had to go that route because yeah. they didn't have a choice. Five yeah. nanometer was completely And Samsung couldn't build these for them? Well, Samsung doesn't have an advanced node. Okay. So that's the only problem. And again, they went Samsung and the Samsung power consumption, even the AMD cards were good, like 80 to sometimes 90 watts more power efficient good than grief. the NVIDIA cards. Good grief. And that's, uh, that's I think, where a lot of those hype came from is because the current cards are so power hungry. Mm-hmm. So like if you've got like a 3090 card and so forth, if you use it with an AMD system, minimum 850 watt power supply. Mm-hmm. If you use it with an Intel system, minimum 1,200 watts. <laughs> you can't use anything higher than that. So, because if you do, it's, I've had plenty of customers have even 3080 Ti's, anything above the 3080 Ti. Yeah. If you don't have a 1,000 watt power supply with an Intel system, you're screwed. Hmm. It, 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 the system will literally just now and then randomly just shut down, shut down and do weird stuff on you and so forth. So, that's why I tell people, 
the Intel stuff, like the Nvidia products they have currently on the Samsung Note did use more power because they had to push it because they had to compete with AMD that was more power efficient right. because they had the advantage of the better node. So now that AMD, they have a more similar node and so forth, there's a closer competition there. So I think that does give Intel and Nvidia more breathing room to compete with AMD. Which one will win? That That's... I'm still on the hype train. I hope AMD will win this time. It would be nice for them to have a win and so forth, but I think it's going to be very close. Same as the desktop chips. 13th gen and AMD 7000 series, very close to one another as well. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some that NVIDIA will, AMD, Intel will win, some where AMD will win, same with GPU. Some where AMD will win and some where NVIDIA will win. Mm-hmm. So... Well, we'll very no- soon know the answer. I'm hoping this episode was going to go out before the NVIDIA announcement, but if it isn't, please forgive us. Uh, but it should it should go out before then, so we'll, we'll be watching that uh, launch uh, 21st of September, did you say? Yeah. Great. I'm looking forward to seeing that, and we'll be watching those power performance figures in a great amount of detail. Yes. Before we wrap the episode one of uh, season two of uh, Everything PC, when you talk about Apple, uh, I know this is sometimes controversial because some people do not see them as a PC company, but uh, they are they a are big a, PC company. They, they make a lot of laptops and desktops. The MacBook is a PC at the end of the day. Um, so there's not a huge amount to talk about there. Um, I think the only thing that's come out since we last spoke in terms of Apple Silicon is the M2 chip, which. Um, isn't really a big step forward from the M1. It's a bit of an iteration on the M1. Right? Yes, you can see mm. there's some at they tweet tweaking and iterate. Mm. It's a very AMD philosophy of iteration of that. Mm-hmm. So learn what issues you had, improve those areas and so forth. Because again, it's their first big outro with the chip yep. that they've made. Big chip that they've made on I think it was that is five nanometer they make those chips on. Five nanometer, that's yeah, correct. Five yes. nanometer yes. chip. Mm. And it is a massive chip. Mm-hmm. Compared to, like, even now, especially now with AMD 7000 series, that shows you AMD is getting very. The amount of performance per die area is phenomenal mm-hmm. compared to even Apple. Apple needs to spend way more die space to get close or beat AMD, AMD's performance there. And that's using accelerators, which, again, Apple's going to push more and more acceleration and so forth. So it's a good thing. It's. Again, they need to learn from something. Once you do mass production of a product and mass produce it, that's when you learn all your bugs and issues and so forth. See how the software interacts. I think they've learned a lot with software. Certain software that is op- kind of optimized for Apple M1 still didn't do so well, even compared to AMD and Intel and so mm-hmm. forth. So there's a lot of stuff that they need to learn. And you can only learn that by making the product, getting people to make software for it, and yep. then you can start changing your hardware for that. But the M1 was certainly a very good start for, for Apple. Yes, now compared mm. to like what they had with Intel. Yeah. Talking cheese. It's a massive difference. That, yeah. that's like, and it's good for Intel. In, oh, good for Apple because Apple does have the money. And good Apple. for Intel ultimately too. But potentially. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the problem is Intel doesn't con- can't even compete with AMD. And it's like, you can't <laughs> really, that's not fair. So at it would be good for Apple to kind of compete with AMD now yeah. because AMD will become the trend set with power efficiency for x86 architectures mm-hmm. because that's the two architectures that's going up with one another is x86 and ARM. So Apple's main focus there would be getting more performance in a specific diagram because they are paying a stupid amount of money for yeah. that chip because it's so big. As a lot of people, going from 10 to 5 nanometers, 20% higher cost. Mm-hmm. And then because that thing is so massive, your wafer, that chip eats up a lot of that space on that wafer and so forth. So the amount of yields they have and so forth, I think the yield quality is probably not that great. Mm. So I think they are paying. That's why the laptops were so expensive. Mm-hmm. There's a good portion of that money went into it. Again, that's for a long time. 
typically what Apple prefers to do is they get someone else to make the thing and then buy from them for very cheap mm -hmm. instead of doing it internally because that costs you more money because then you have to pay for the R&D to do it. And they don't want to do that, which Apple specializes in. That's why they outsource a lot of their stuff mm -hmm. because it's cheaper to get another company not, not never to make money and we make all the money. Good now strategy. they had to build that in now mm. because Intel sucked so bad. Yeah. They're like, our mobile chips are becoming better than your, <laughs> your desktop chips, man. What the <laughs> hell? So... I think Intel, Apple were kind of forced, and then luckily there was a big enough push internally, I think, for the engineers yeah. to say, no, 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 we can actually do something better than Intel. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then spend the money in R&D. And because they have, it's Apple, they've got billions and billions, billions of money. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for them to just go, okay, spend four billion in R&D just on this project or yeah. something. Yeah. So it's good for Apple, and it's good for the whole industry for Apple to compete, because yeah. now it makes AMD more competitive. Now AMD needs to be more proficient than Apple. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a good fight. And so. Intel's watching all of this from the sidelines currently, yeah, but they want to get back into it. Trying to be the, the <laughs> fat little kid running behind. I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> but all of its baggage and so so forth, and AMD's now streamlined and so forth. So yeah. I would say Apple's in certain areas are ahead and so forth because yeah. of their devices and who they sell. Because again, they've got such a massive market in America yeah. that they sell to. So the amount of money in they make about their products and their phones and the integration they do with software as well. Mm -hmm. So again, software is also one big benefit to them where I think Apple, oh, where AMD and Intel needs to learn because Intel was actually the lead there with software. Mm -hmm. For a long time period, most people optimized for Intel architectures and chips because Intel would literally rock up and say, oh, you're making this software. How can we help you? How can we improve it? And so forth. So especially in the old days for, for Intel, I don't yeah. know why that went away. I presume it's just cost cutting and all that jazz. They had a lot of those things where I tell people, that's where they pioneered Intel. Yeah. Was working with people, getting more integration, game developers, software engineers, with its AutoCAD industry, any industry that would come mm -hmm. and say, can we help you? You didn't have to pay them a cent. They would literally send people there for free, fly them out to you and say, mm -hmm. how can we help? Now, I think Apple needs to learn from that. And I think they should also start doing that as well mm -hmm. and actually say, sweet, okay, let's get a hardcore guys that can literally go and optimize and see which companies... Don't just rock up to the company and say, we'll give you money like Apple and say, Apple, here's a bunch of money, make us stuff for us. That doesn't, you need to employ people that know your architecture in and out so that mm -hmm. you can speak to those software engineers and say, how can we optimize, make this stuff more power efficient? Because that's, especially going in the future where power is becoming more and more of a problem, power efficiency is going to become more and more and more important. Yeah. So yeah. getting more battery yeah. lives because again, you can only make so many batteries until we've run out of all the freaking batteries. Lithium. <laughs> Lithium, bat or even the hard components to make batteries in, South, mm. or in, in China and all those things. So That's we true. need to make stuff where we can use smaller batteries last longer. Anyway, I think so. it's time to call a wrap on uh, episode one of season yes. two. It's been a fascinating discussion. As you can tell, there is so much exciting stuff going on in the PC industry. I think we, we mentioned last time, Gerard, that uh, um, the PC industry got a bit boring for a while. But yes. there's no doubt that uh, we're back in exciting yeah, no, times. It's, I think we spoke about that when we, we said did. our first show. It's like, no, yeah. the next couple of years coming is now yeah. rapid innovation from yeah. all the companies, from Intel, Apple, AMD. You're going to see from TSMC as well, rapid innovations yeah. in different manufacturing capabilities and no, it's it's a, it's a very exciting time to be following this industry. As you can tell, we, we could talk about this uh, all weekend long. Uh, this is uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, we, we're going to be delving into some really cool stuff in the rest of the season. We're going to be talking about Microsoft Windows in episode two. We're going to be 
we even be talking about Mac OS. We're going to talk about yeah. uh, we're going to talk about Linux, which I'm which I'm quite looking forward to as well because I I do dabble a bit in desktop yes. Linux, and I think you do too. Um, and uh, we've got lots, lots of exciting stuff coming up in uh, in everything PC. So uh, tell your friends and family about the show. Um, subscribe to us. We're on YouTube. Uh, you can get us on the Tech Central channel at YouTube.com/slash/TechCentral, and you will find us on all platforms where you can subscribe to good podcasts from spotify to apple you name it we are there just search everything pc that's two words and um and yeah um we'll be back next week with uh with some exciting stuff on uh, windows looking forward to that discussion yeah and uh, you'll also have some something from the archives to show us as well from the computer history archives looking forward to seeing what you uh, bring into the studio yes next week but yes. until until then uh, oh I almost forgot I've got to thank our sponsors HP and Microsoft uh, thank you so much for sponsoring Everything PC we appreciate it guys and we've got an interesting episode with those two companies coming up at the end of season two so until next week from Gerard and myself cheers cheers